Hello, everyone. This is Julie, and I am here sitting with my co-host Raquel. Hey, everybody. This is Raquel, and we are going to be hosting a podcast where we talk about true crime, paranormal, spooky topics, and maybe conspiracy. And we love to talk about aliens. So we're really excited to be hosting this podcast and getting to know everyone. And hopefully, you guys will be just as excited as us and be able to tune in. And this, this is, is the, the Demented, All right, so one of the first stories that we decided to uh, discuss today was the story of Omaira Sanchez Garzon, and she was from the town called Armero in Colombia. Before I went into her story, I actually did a little research about Colombia just because I didn't know some of the the words for like like they were saying like it was like a a unitary state, right? And I don't know what that was, so. I guess Colombia is a unitary state, which means it's a state governed as a single entity in which the central government is the supreme authority. And within this unitary state, there are departments, right? So Tolima is one of the departments, which is located in the Andean region in the center west of the country. Armero is a municipality in Tolima. So yeah, so she was a, um, a resident of Armero, which is in Tolima. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically, the tragedy occurred during a volcanic eruption, and the volcano's name is Nevado del Ruiz. It is on the border of departments Tolima and Caldas in Colombia. Um, the volcanic activity at this volcano began about two million years ago, and it has had three major eruptive periods. The volcano is part of Los Nevados Nacional, Nacional, <laughs> I meant Nat National. Natural parks. See, this is what happens because I'm yeah. like talking in Spanish. Hey, so <laughs> let it flow. But yeah, so in the park there are several other volcanoes, and apparently to this day it is still con- it still continues to be a threat to nearby towns and villages, which is freaking terrifying. Wow. Today, the Nevado del Ruiz volcano is constantly monitored by the Volcanic and Seismic Observatory of Manizales, which is a city in central Colombia. This observatory was put in place in 1985. After the Omero tragedy, which Omaira was a part of. It's just so crazy. I wonder why it took, you know, a tragedy in this 13-year-old girl to, you know, lose her life to put this observatory in considering these volcanoes have been around and been active for, you know, oh, years. No. It's crazy. No, it's, oh my God, you have no idea. It's, uh, that's, what, that's one of the biggest things with this case is the fact that it's like, People don't understand even now, like how this happened. But, you know, I I have a little information of of how this occurred and we're going to get into that right now. Perfect. So basically, like around 3.06 p.m. on November 13, 1985, uh, Nevado del Ruiz, the volcano, began to erupt. And the total mass of the erupted material, including magma, was about 35 million tons. Wow. Which, yeah. I was, I was curious, so I, looked, I actually looked up how much that is in pounds. Wow. 77 trillion pounds. Lord. Over 77 trillion pounds. Yeah. It's a lot. 
It's a lot. So the eruption reached a value of three on the volcanic explosivity index, um, which is rated catastrophic. The volcanic explosivity index is a relative measure of the explosiveness of volcano eruptions. The scale goes up to eight. So it was a three. So for example, Mount Vesuvius also rated a value of three. Nevado del Ruiz had such a big eruption that it erased the town of Romero, basically, in Tolima. Wow. It's not there anymore. So yeah, so Tolima had about 28,700 residents, and only one quarter of them survived. Volcanic debris mixed with ice to form massive lahars. I never heard of that word before. Yeah. I didn't know enough about volcanoes. I used to love volcanoes when I was little. Me too. I, I would, like, look them up all the time. And when I had projects and stuff, I would always do Remember the volcano. volcano project? I loved the volcano project. I never project. did that. Really? Yeah, I never did that. That's unfortunate. I always see it in, like, a, like sitcoms and stuff. Yeah. But I never saw it. I, I never, like, actually did it myself. That's lame. I think I would have hated to do it, though. No way. I just, I never had, like, stuff like that. It's like, you know, be able to be like, okay, Artsy. I'm going to, yeah, my mom's going to be able to buy me this stuff, like. True. You know, like I never True. had that. So. Okay, that's a different, totally yeah, different yeah. topic. Oh but my God. Yes. No, Crazy. Girl, I got but. you. Anyway, <laughs> back to it. Um, yeah, so Lahars, which is basically um, volcanic induced mud flows, landslides, mm. and debris flows. So basically when you watch those videos on YouTube yeah. and you're seeing like the eruptions or like a, like, this, like a landslides or floods, it's basically that. That's what I'm getting from it. And when you see the pictures, mm-hmm. like, especially of her, like, of Omaira in the, like, she's submerged, mm-hmm. it's just all debris around her. Okay, and so the lahars, is that a word that stems from Colombia, or is that the technical term for it? That is the technical term okay. for it, okay. yeah. Because it almost sounds like it's maybe, like, a different language. Little something, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, let's, lahars, yeah. So okay. yeah. And um, so more than 25,000 people were killed um, in Armero. Plus, 13 other villages were destroyed. Wow. The volcano has made no significant eruption since 1845. Mm. Well, it had not made until, you know, the actual incident mm-hmm. in Armero, um, which uh, this is why it helped to keep the community complacent. The locals called the volcano the sleeping lion. And apparently, around September 1985, there started to be earthquakes and phreatic eruptions, which phreatic eruptions are when magma is heating up groundwater or surface water. And so local officials started to plan an evacuation. There there was a hazard map that was prepared in October. So basically, they started seeing stuff happen around September in 1985. Then in October, they um, had the map, the hazard map, that was highlighting the danger from falling ash and rock near the towns of, there's a bunch of towns listed, Murillo, Santa Isabel, and Lebano as well as threat of lahars in Mariquita, Guayabal, Chinchina, and of course, Armero. The map was not distributed very well, and most survivors had never even heard of it. They never heard of the map. Apparently, the Colombian Congress had accused scientific and civil defenses agencies of scaremongering, (laughs) which is like... Sounds familiar. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what's the big deal? Sounds familiar, right. It's no big deal. Get get that dumb map out of here. What the hell do I care? Sadly, this contributed to making the Armero tragedy the second deadliest volcanic disaster of the 20th century. Mm. Its lahars were the deadliest in volcanic history. To get into Omaira's story, she was born August 28, 1972. In 1995, she was a 13-year-old, and fortunately, she ended up dying on November 16, 1985. Her cause of death was due to the volcanic eruption. So her father was named Alvaro Enrique, 
He was a rice and a sorghum collector. And I've been learning a lot by doing this mm-hmm. research. I don't know if you know what sorghum is, but... It's a kind of fruit. No, it's actually like... It says it's a widely cultivated cereal native to warm regions. It's a major source of grain and feeds livestock. But there's also like some sorghum for humans. Huh. I feel like in the back of my head, I kind of heard it before. But it's like... I never had used the word. Yeah. But yeah, so it's some kind of grain. Oh. So, yeah, so that's what he did. Her mother was Maria Aleida. She was a nurse. Her brother, Alvaro Alvaro Enrique, and her aunt, Maria Adela Garzon, um, they all lived together in the neighborhood of Santander. Her mother was not actually with them the day of the eruption. She was traveling to Bogota, the capital of Colombia. Mm-hmm. The remaining family members were actually all awake, worried about what was going on. As they were watching the ash fall from the eruption. And uh, if you hear anything in the background, it's my dog walking around. I'd like to introduce Sugar. Because this might happen a little more frequently than I wanted to. <laughs> so it's, it's just better than stop re- stopping all the recording. But <laughs> he might make an appearance. So, my, my, so will my cat, for sure. Anyways, so like I said, the, the remaining family members who were home, not her mom. They were, you know, they were very worried about all the ash fall from the eruption. And they started hearing and approaching Lahar. And it was just devastating after that. Omaira became trapped under the home's concrete and other debris and could not free herself. When rescue teams came to her aid, they found out that her legs were trapped under her house's roof. There were a couple of theories given by people who witnessed her situation, including a journalist, on the severity of how serious it was. One person said she was trapped up to her neck, and another said... She may have been trapped up to her waist. Mm. If you, yeah, it's tragic. Like Poor either way, because you can't tell. Like the ground is just, it's just the, the water's so dirty. You can't yeah. see anything. And regardless, you're trapped. Yeah, like it, it was freaking awful. Mm. So if you watch videos, because there's the videos of her, you can see the water is, is almost up to her mouth. Regardless, like oh. she's just, you could see her arms and everything, but so it seemed, you know, she was trapped for a few hours as she was covered by concrete was able to get one of her hands through a crack in the debris and rescuers noticed this and they started to clear the debris around her and they tried to pull her out but afterwards but realized that if they pulled her out they would also be breaking or amputating her legs exactly it was right and that to me it's like i can't fathom it like i you I know, know you're gonna die i it was, it's awful she I, knew was she was gonna die yeah so the problem was they didn't have the necessary medical supplies because like we talked about not even the map was distributed so Mm -hmm. none of these people none of the rescue teams Mm -hmm. nobody was prepared of the severity Mm -hmm. of how bad it was going to be so there was no medical supplies like Mm -hmm. they were they were struggling it was bad when it came down to it she she was trapped and that was that was it no medical supplies they literally decided it was it was more humane to just let her die as she was it was fucking heartbreaking that was the government's fault yeah a lot of people it's it's still an ongoing thing like it's the memory of her is alive still because that could have been prevented so many years later yeah because it was one thing that is just scaremongering get the hell out of here right (laughs) you know and it happens everywhere mm -mm. no and it had happened before you said like a hundred and something years earlier why weren't you guys ready yeah yeah before coming to the conclusion of you know just kind of like it's more humane to let her die they they did try all they could and she was so hopeful they could help her there's actually footage of her speaking to the cameras filming the accident at the time and she's asking her mother to pray for her to pray for the rescuers 
to be able to save her and she could be able to walk again. She explains she's only 13 and it isn't fair for her to die. She keeps speaking into the camera, letting them know that once she's rescued and out of the water, she wants a picture taken of her being tri- triumphant. It's devastating right. to watch that because she she was so hopeful. Hopeful. Because you, you don't expect you're going to die. Like, you're a little kid. You got dreams. You got things that you want to do. And she was so smart for her age. You, you hear her speak and she speaks like a grown-up. Hmm. Like, all the words that came out of her mouth, you would not think it was a little child speaking. Hmm. It was, it was just freaking tragic. It's, oh, if you're going to watch those videos, make sure you know you, you might, you might shed a tear or two. It's, it's sad. They kept attempting to pull her out. More water would pull around her also, which was starting to get so high that they were, there was a risk of her drowning. They ended up placing a tire around her to keep her afloat. They did send divers down to investigate. And, you know, it was discovered that her legs were cut, caught under a door made of bricks. Oh. Yeah, it was a freaking door made of oh. bricks. So it was like she was kneeling. Like they actually drew a picture. You could see how it was. And oh God. And here's a haunting twist to this whole thing. Her father's arms were clutched tightly around her legs and her feet. Oh, so he was dead below her. Yes, they were dead underneath oh, her. Oh God. Yeah. So this this was claimed by Gustavo Lastra, who was one of the rescuers that... Um, he was there speaking and helping Omira, and I did see that and there was a lot of sources they were also saying that it might have also been her aunt holding on to her they both unfortunately did not survive her father and her aunt were both underwater near her and Gustavo explained that at night he would hug her and try to keep her warm as the nights were very cold but I can't imagine like you're just kneeling there like the strength that you have to gain to be able to to know that all of this is happening all at once for you and your parent and your aunt are right there it's just oh it's so terrifying you know what i think is so amazing though after hearing you know this part of the story is that despite everything that was going on around her and her being so young and being in such a scary position and i think deep down she knew that there wasn't really anything that she can do Maybe yeah. she was just trying to speak it into existence. But what, what really amazes me that despite everything that was going on and all the odds that were against her, she put her faith in God. Mm-hmm. And that's probably all she knew. You oh, know, yeah. Was Especially in, in, in Colombia. countries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You put yeah. your faith in God and mm-hmm. that is it. And God is going to get me out of this. Mm-hmm. I am going to mm-hmm. be triumphant. And, and, and that faith is probably what kept her so calm. That, yeah, that's true. Because she didn't that's have mom, true. she didn't have dad, she had no. no family members there to keep her calm Just other strangers. than that reporter. Just strangers. And she remained yeah. calm. Yeah. Between, yeah, the belief in religion and the shock of everything that's going right. on, like, I can't imagine, like... And, and they were already stressed out before oh. it all happened. They were all stressed out already. Yeah. You know, as soon as you start, oh, crap, the freaking volcano is about right. to erupt and it's you see the ash wall coming down, you know what's going to happen. Right. Everyone's kind of on high alert. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the most soul-storing thing that sticks with you is the photograph. Everybody's yeah. seen this photograph. If you haven't seen it, we'll make sure, you know, we, we post this up once we get our social media up and running. It's where you can see her, and she's looking straight at the camera. And mm-hmm. her eyes are, they look black. They're pitch black. There's no white or color in her eyes anymore. There's a, a cause, uh, this is the cause of a, the long water submersion and the pressure of the debris. Her eyes were actually bloodshot, but appeared black. And the photographer who took this was a French photographer. 
His name was Frank Fournier. Actually, I think he's still alive. So his name is Frank Fournier. And he had arrived a few hours before Myra passed away. And they actually just brought him over. They're like, you you need to see what's going on here. Because he was actually there to capture the rescue efforts on the ground. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they were like, you need to see this. He just felt it was his his due diligence to to document this. And he actually ended up winning an award for his photograph of, of Myra. It's called the 19, 1985 World Press Photo Award. So... Going back to Amira, she was alive for about 60 hours in this condition, which is, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being in that situation for, for 30 minutes. Mm-mm. Okay, you're, you're, this is all happening around you. It's chaos. You got dead relatives under you and you're just keeping it cool. This is, you know, as cool as you can because she was such a strong girl. She kept up conversation with the workers, the rescuers around her. She even sang songs, which is like insane to me. And she was even given some candy and soda. So she was able to kind of enjoy a couple of treats, you know, and here and there. It's a little girl. That's all you want, I feel, you know, like mm-hmm. me when I get stressed out. That's where I'm going. I'm right. going for the candy and the soda. Yeah. And I'm glad they were at least able to comfort her with something like that. She, she would even tell the rescuers to go and help other people that were trapped and then come back to help her. Like, why do people like that have to have to die and, and have to die in such traumatic ways? It just doesn't make any freaking sense yeah anyways on the third day she slowly started to hallucinate mentioning Aww. yeah that she didn't want to be late for school and she started talking about you know the math exam i saw something about she was like oh i missed a couple of days of school i'm gonna i'm gonna fail the whole year now it's like oh my that god that just tells where her values were this mm-hmm. little girl 13 years old her mm-hmm. values were in school mm-hmm. and god yeah and helping other people. That just speaks volumes. And you know mm-hmm. they say assholes live, live forever. Yeah, good people die young. And right? they die young, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. Basically, she uh, slowly started accepting her fate. Mm-hmm. And she began to say her goodbyes to her mother, explaining she loved her family. Out of all this, only her, fam- her mother and her brother survived. Her brother, <laughs> he just lost a finger during this whole event. Lucky for him. That's just crazy to me, you know, to, to be able to survive such a catastrophic event and like his whole family's gone just his mother's left at least he's got somebody i can't imagine what what her mother went through and apparently she was super strong about everything as well like it was just a strong family she just came from did the mom make it back yeah she made it back to see her daughter before she passed i don't know if she made it back to see her i'm assuming she had to yeah i'm assuming she had to because they did have to bury people she does have there's a memorial for her i'm guessing she's there mm-hmm. i was trying to look up information i could not find anything like a direct source yeah for to, to find out if she's really at the memorial like area that they have for her but I'm, I'm assuming she got to see her because it's like once she's you know passed on like you know i'm guessing they they were able to kind of rescue her body it was a little more easier than causing her pain yeah when she's alive they believe she passed away due to gangrene and hypothermia around 9.45 a.m. on November 16th, 1985. Her head just started to fall backwards into the water. Only a few features of her face, like her nose and her mouth and one eye, remained above the surface. And rescuers just, they did all they could. They just covered up with a tablecloth and just kind of, you know, just kind of came to accepting wow. what just happened. And I, you know, watching the videos of these rescuers and how they speak of her, they still cry over this. Like, yeah. they're still so traumatized. There's so so much PTSD there still. Because it's like, you just watched a little girl die. A child. Yeah. Like, it's not even the same as, like, 
let's say a paramedics or you you just essential workers come and find a dead child it's traumatic as it is but right. watching her die for 60 hours yeah slowly suffering oh my god i can't imagine yeah Ooh, the town of Romero, like I said, it no longer exists. The site instead is home to a number of crosses and a small memorial to Omira. The Colombian government was accused of grossly mishandling and the situation from the start. Rightfully so. Yeah. Nevado del Ruiz uh, volcano is still active, but there are better disaster preparedness efforts now in place in Colombia. Can only We can only hope that 37 years later can make substantial differences. Yeah, Omira left a huge impact on the world, people in Colombia, and worldwide still remember her. Books about her have been written, and there's even a Chilean punk rock band named after her. Wow. Like I said, I, I will never forget her story. Yeah. It's, it's tragic, and it's so strong all at once. Yeah, that's where I'm at with that. It's funny that you brought up how, you know, the paramedics and things like that, that you would just kind of be a first responder to something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and you know, shout out to all our first responders. I have a few first responders in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're right there for people, you know, yeah. uh, in their time of need. Uh, I will say that it's easy to become desensitized uh, when oh, you're yeah. exposed to things that often. Oh, yeah. I will say that the photographer... I read that he stayed with her and did not leave her at all. Mm-hmm. I can just picture in the day and age we're in now, you know, this was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Where we are now, I have seen people that'll go up to a tragedy and they'll take a photo mm-hmm. and be mm-hmm. desensitized and walk away like it's nothing. With no actual experience, No right? actual experience, mm-hmm. total bystander effect, just standing around watching. Mm-hmm. And this man stayed with this girl not only did he get a a photo that really brought so much attention to this situation and the needs of Colombia to become prepared for things like this because like I said in the beginning this could have been prevented Mm -hmm. whether that was her fate or not you know maybe it couldn't have been prevented but I'm sure that the whole town did not need to be lost you know only a quarter of people lived it could have at least, I think, been yeah. 50% had they been prepared yeah. and listened to the advice of the scientists. Well, if they would have evacuated everybody, none right. of this would have happened. Right, you right, know? right. September. September, she died in November. They had two yeah. months. They had two, at least two months for to them figure to this figure this out. out. Yeah. And so it's, it's, a, it's almost like, why did they let this happen? And, you know, it goes back, like I said, the government felt, you know, between the fear-mongering and then they were also talking about how... You know, it's a third world country. It's still like, oh, like underdeveloped, and there's just not enough of anything. You know, they were dealing. I think there was something going on. There was some kind of war going on in other parts of in the eighties. Oh in the yeah, 80s. of course, yeah. the drug, the mm-hmm. war on drugs. <laughs> yeah, there was all kinds of things happening. It, I mean, Colombia has been very dangerous for a long time. I yeah. think just recently it, it's a lot better when it came comes down to it's all that. Very corrupt. Yeah, it's from been very the corrupt. inside out. A lot of corrupt history, that's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at. and um, Very tragic. Very tragic. Rest and in peace. I know, right? Yeah, seriously. To Omira Sanchez, here we are. After being able to uh, tell Omira's story, we're going to go ahead and move on to our second story. And this one's going to be um, narrated and told by Raquel. So Raquel, whenever you're ready. Yay. Thank you. So Mm -hmm. I do want to just let you guys know, listeners, this story is very graphic. Julie and I have a little bit different 
taste in stories that are just really <laughs> cohesive and they work well together. This is mm-hmm. gruesome. So mm-hmm. if you are squeamish or, you know, really yeah. traumatized by anything that's happened, this is probably mm-hmm. not the story for you. Yeah, trigger warning. Trigger warning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be sure. telling the story of Marcus Wesson. Marcus Wesson um, is a psychopath. Heard of him. He's, yes. uh, he's a character. He'll stick with you for a while. He is a monster mm-hmm. and he is also a Leo. Uh, you're into astrology (laughs) if you're into astrology he is a leo so he is what's a leo what's that mean uh larger than life oh and you know interestingly enough my partner who you know very well Mm -hmm. is a leo nothing like a leo Mm. not like a leo at all but mr marcus wesson is a leo so let's dive into mr marcus wesson okay um so Mr. Marcus Wesson was born in Kansas. Uh, I do want to say I read a few stories. I had read that he was born in Chicago. A couple different conflicting stories about where he lived uh, and where he was born. But his mother did confirm that he was born in Kansas. For a decent part of his life, it was a two-family home. There was a mother. There was a father. Hey, that sounds beautiful, right? No, not the case. Okay. A mother was a psycho. Oh, he, so he came from an abusive he household. He came from, I wouldn't even call it abusive. It was just brainwashed from the start. Okay. So yeah, abusive. But I feel like physical abuse wouldn't last as long as the bu- abuse that he got. So it was like a mental? Mental, mental. physical, yeah. just crazy. So his mother was a religious fanatic. Like oh, oh. fanatic, and you know how that works out. Oh, it's wonderful when you start off yes. with a religious fanatic as your mother. Fanatic. So um, they were Seventh Day Adventists. Okay. Very strict, robes, garbs, modest. You know, Is, very strict is religion. That Christian based. You know, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really figure out who, like, what it's affiliated with, I will tell you that what I did read about it, it reminded me of cult. Kind of like the Mormons, kind of like the Jehovah's. Excuse me if I offend anyone. I have family who is Mormons. Uh, More power to you. That is just not my thing. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. they were Seventh-day Adventists and um, very strict, which, you know, that can cause trauma. If you're not giving any sense of individuality, Mm -hmm. No sense of self. It is just, these are our rules. You know, not even household rules. These are religion's rules. You know, and they're just left field. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like that's harmful. No, it is. It is when, especially children, when they're developing, they, they should be able to think for themselves. Right. Because especially if you're coming from a household like that, you're just... Compressed. Oh, it's like tunnel vision. Tunnel right. vision. Mm-hmm. And then you you think about it. You have all these rules and these restrictions. And then when you break free and you don't have those, you're like a wild animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A wild animal who has never been out of its cage. And let me experience all this shit yeah. that I have no business experiencing. Yikes. I you know. see? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where he came from. Okay. Originally a two-parent two parent home. Dad was very physically abusive. So there was that aspect as well. So not only was there mental abuse, but there was physical abuse he was an alcoholic and eventually ended up abandoning the family. Some would say that that's great that he abandoned the family. At least he wasn't abused, but then there was still mom. Mm-hmm. So regardless, mm-hmm. he psycho was just... Psycho mom's still there. <laughs> yeah, psycho mom is still there. Oh, great. Um, so he dropped out of high school um, and ended up joining the army. You know, sounds pretty promising. Maybe he'll, mm-hmm. you know, do something great with his life. Yeah. 
He actually was only in the army for two years. He joined in the 60s. He was only in there for two years. He was an ambulance driver at the time. So two that's Two years. Two years. That's brief. Very right? brief. It was an honorable discharge. So he mm. wasn't dishonorably discharged. Okay. Um, he was honorably discharged, which was, you know, that means for something, there's a lot of benefits that come with being oh, yeah. honorably discharged. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, you know, so that was good. But what happened after was not. So he actually left the army for a woman. He didn't leave the army just because, you know, he chose to. He left the army for a woman. Mm-hmm. And he moved in with someone by the name of Rosemary Solero. Mind you, he was 25, 26 when he left the army. Okay. So he was young. You know, he was very young, you know, fresh out of fresh out of the army. When did you say this was? In the 70s? In the 60s. The 60s. late The late okay. 60s, early 70s. So um, Rosemary Solario already had eight children. Holy crap. Okay. So, so yeah. So Rosemary was getting it in. She had eight children. She was married okay. already. Okay. And she divorced her husband so that Mr. Wesson could move in with her. So I'm assuming mm. Mr. Wesson was a charmer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you... To me, like I would... <laughs> that's a lot of responsibility to take in. Like, especially like... Right. 25. The, yeah. 25. You're in the 60s, 70s. That's when everybody was like partying and right. like having fun. Right. So Peace, much music. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I'm just going to settle down and with this you know, woman and her Older. eight kids. Like, that's crazy. Right. Wow. Married. Married. Yeah. Eight kids. And Jesus. you're a fresh, young, hot piece of meat yeah. on the street with benefits yeah. from the army. And you choose a woman with eight children. Holy moly. Who is married. You would think that would be a good guy, too. Right? You would think. Listen, I would think. Yeah. Like, you want to come in and take care of me and my eight kids? Hell Shoot. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, it made me think, you know, maybe he's a charmer. Mm-hmm. You know, his looks, not my type, you know, not not by a long shot. Is he my type? Yeah, I've seen pictures of him. He's 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 something else. Yeah, he looks... <laughs> he uh, looks scary just from, from, you know, the story and everything from, yeah. you know, I, I vaguely remember the story, but I, I know the the main traumatizing points. And it's like, when you look at pictures of him, it's haunting because it's always in the eyes. Just, oh, yeah, oh, the soulless. God. He was mm-hmm. very soulless. Yeah, very soulless. And so I did just want to put out there that there was some conflicting information. So when I did read about, you know, how she divorced her husband and things like that, a couple of the stories that I read said that um, she left her husband and took her eight children and moved elsewhere with Marcus. And then okay. I also read a few other stories that reported that he moved in with them and the husband left okay so um, i'm not too sure which one is true yeah um either way he was there in between that either marriage. way he was there <laughs> either okay. way he was there mm-hmm. so with that being said when marcus moved in a few months after moving in they and him uh marcus and rosemary ended up having a son together Okay. Uh, well, not a few. She got pregnant. She didn't have the baby a few months later. She yeah. ended up getting pregnant a few months later. Yeah. And they ended up having a son. So this was his first child. He had his first child with this woman, Rosemary. Now um, she's got nine kids. This was her ninth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> More oh power to her because my two be driving me nuts. I don't know how women do it. I girl. I don't know. I don't know wow. how they do either. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. It's always like back in the day too. Like no. you think about. Kiki Wyatt. She's a singer. She's going on her 11th. 
Who is that? We'll Kiki. have to talk about this. Okay. Kiki Wyatt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Yeah. She's got that many kids. Well, doesn't like um oh what's her name? The Killing Me Softly. Lauren uh, Hill. She's got a lot of kids too, right? She does have a lot of children. Yeah. And her children grew up with some trauma. Yeah. Oh no. Another that's topic. Right. Another topic. Sorry, Another topic. I tend to get off course. Yeah, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so ninth child with this lovely man at the time, Marcus Wesson, looked like a fresh catch. Uh, she was wrong. Okay. Marcus Wesson actually began sexually abusing Solaria's daughter, uh, who was only eight at the time, mm. shortly after. So three years after they had their child together. Yeah. Three he, years. Three Jesus. years. So that means when he moved in, she was five. By yeah. eight, he was Already. sexually abusing her daughter, Elizabeth. Okay. He then married his son's mother. So son's mother is uh, Rosemary, the original woman he moved in with. Mm-hmm. He ended up marrying the daughter, Elizabeth. The eight-year-old. The eight-year-old. What? How? That's... Okay, so that's what I was a little bit confused about. I believe that a parent typically has to sign off on a marriage. And I do want to just let you know, I tried to do some research on Rosemary. I don't know where the hell Rosemary was during all of this nonsense. Really? There wasn't much said about her. Really? Like... I don't know where she is. And so I tried to figure out, like, what did Rosemary have to say about this? Where Mm -hmm. was she? Mm -hmm. Her name was not mentioned in much other than he moved in with her. Really? Oh, she sounds like a doormat or something, right? A little, I mean, she probably felt low value at that time. You know, she left her husband. She married this, well, moved in with this man or he moved in with her. He ended up sexually assaulting them. What do you do after that? You know, where are you even housing nine children at that point? Okay. So, so he ended up marrying Elizabeth, which again, his son's mother's daughter. And now, did he marry her when she was still eight? He married her. Okay, so that's, that's another thing I was going to get to. Okay. A lot of conflicting information on this story. So originally, in some of the stories, it said that he married her when she was 14. And then in a few of the other stories that I read, he married her when she was eight. Okay, so maybe he groomed her until she was 14 or something. But even so, I'm pretty sure a lot of states are 16 with parent consent. Okay. So that's why I was a little bit confused on how that even ended up happening. I will say that this all took place in California. And California kind of has their own rules. Mm. Like California and Texas are just their own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you never really know what's going on yeah. with them. So you got Florida, you got Texas. It's right. Like, it's a like different worlds down a there. Different <laughs> world. So it was in Cali and it was, you know, seventies, mm-hmm. you know, before social reforms and things like that. So, okay. you know, a little sketchy. So I did read, like I said, eight and 14. Either way, freaking disgusting. Sketchy. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Disgusting. Because at this time he was 27. Mm-hmm. 27. With a 14 or an 8-year-old. Okay. That is disgusting. Yeah. Now, do, do you have any information about, like, did he have a history of pedophilia or anything like that? So, no. There was nothing oh. reported before that. And so, wow. that what, that's what makes me wonder, like, what triggered that? You know, like, what triggered this this obsession with children? Yeah. And, and it, but it, but it does make me think that the reason that he chose to be with this woman with eight children is because that was lying underneath somewhere. Because oh, why would a Jesus. young man fresh out of the military, right. honorably discharged, 25, no children, choose to be with an older woman with eight children? Yeah. There had to be a motive. 
Was there more daughters than sons as well, or was uh, it a so mix? they didn't really say specify? They didn't yeah. specify. Um, they didn't specify what her who her. There wasn't a lot of information on Rosemary, like okay. you know. Okay. So that was one thing that I had a hard time with about this story. Okay. So okay, so he married her. Let's mm-hmm. we're gonna stay mm-hmm. fourteen. Yeah. Even though the reports yeah. are saying conflicting, we're gonna say he married her at, at fourteen. Okay. okay. Four months after he married her. She gave birth to his child. So she gave birth to her first child. It ha- I'm sorry. It had to be 14. Oh, because yeah. Because she probably didn't have her menstrual yeah. at eight to be able to conceive. I don't know. But so she she gave birth af- four months after marrying Which him? means he, he probably was married her mm-hmm. because she was pregnant. Yeah. And in order for someone to have a child with someone not out of wedlock, you have to be married. It stems from that religious abuse oh, that he fantastic. dealt with. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, of course. It's like, oh, I'm doing this shit over here but um i'm still gonna get married i'm still gonna follow the principles of course why yeah, not of because course that's how i was taught mm-hmm. okay so he married her at 14 a few months later she had a baby by the age of 26 he gave her 11 children he gave her 11 children by the age of 26 that's fucked up <laughs> 11 children jesus christ I'm 31 with two. I would shoot myself in the face if I had 11 (laughs) children. I'm sorry. That poor woman. I can't imagine the trauma on her body, on her mental health. Yes. Wow. Year after year after year after year, a child. Like, it's like, oh, you're just here to have my kids. Like, no, this is what he would tell them that, that this is, so his religious, so he was, it was a cult. Mm -hmm. He -hmm. created a cult within his family. They weren't, uh, they weren't able to talk outside. So he had sons as well. Okay. The women and the men were not able to speak. They lived in two separate households and I'm going to get into that more later, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yes, it was a cult. The women were there to breed. That was it. And he was God. I will never get... I, I don't know how people... I, I Okay. I don't want to sit there and say I don't understand. I do get how people get to that point where they join cults and people do certain things for other people or these crazy sociopath maniacs. And right. They control people. I right. I understand that. But me personally, Sassy. I feel... I feel like I would never. I'd be like, fuck out of my face. Right. No, hell no. I would never. You want to go? You want me to go to like your commune or something? Get right. the hell out of here. I ain't going nowhere. Okay. I went home. <laughs> you know what? And and so I thought that too, because, you know, we're both firecrackers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but he used fear. And so you got to think about it. Mm. These children stuck together. You know, right, Rosemary's right. children, the children he created with Rosemary's children, they stuck together. They were family. And if one left, he, 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 they were leaving the group yeah. to deal with the abuse alone. There was a sense of, sol- you know, solidarity between them yeah. where they'd feel like they were leaving their family. There's just a lot. And he was, he was a big guy. Did you, he, he, He's, he was he? huge. He was like over six feet, over 200 pounds, yeah. well over 200 pounds. He yeah. was huge. And so he used physical abuse as well. Yeah, to keep fuck. people in check, <laughs> right? And Goodness. so, um, and mind you, he had reassured them from a young age, from seven, eight, five. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they were young. He had reassured them from a young age, and mind you, they were homeschooled. 
Oh, of course. They didn't have friends, so they didn't know anything other than what they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like an extra layer to the abuse. It's like, you know, they're never going to know what's outside of that environment. And it's going to be normal to them. Normal. They don't, you know, what what, what's the saying? The the happiness one. It's like, uh, oh, oh, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Because it's true. They had ignorance to the outside world. So how would they know what it was like that other families were not the same right so they had no other they had no other idea of what a family did exactly so they didn't know it was wrong to them other families were living the same way right yeah because they weren't experiencing any kind of social interaction outside of their household right and so he had reassured the children the female children from a young age that sexual abuse was a father's way to show affection to his daughter and right (laughs) fucking sick 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 and your dog is real concerned right now from the gagging um (laughs) he's like what did you guys eat it's okay can i eat it (laughs) it's okay and so part of their homeschool lessons was called loving and i'm not gonna dive too much into detail of what that was but i'm sure you can only imagine what loving was yeah it's already making me cringe yes and so that was part of their daily homeschool lessons (gasps) what daily Daily. Get the fuck out of here. These oh, yeah, people, daily. How did these people... Why did it... Like, he just didn't have a freaking brain aneurysm right there and die. Like, right. Why, what the hell? No, seriously. And I just... I also wonder... Until this day, I wonder, you know, especially with everything going on, why I understand homeschooling for some people. That's what works. Whatever you want to homeschool yeah. your kids. Yeah. I wish that I was financially blessed enough to homeschool my children because mm-hmm. I a thousand percent would mm-hmm. but why is the city and the municipalities not doing home visits to ensure the safety mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the children mm-hmm. because nobody is seeing these kids yeah right a, a lot of the stories that we hear about where these kids are traumatized they've been homeschooled yeah it, it's one of those things where it's like again if nobody makes a fuss out of uh, a fuss out of it people aren't gonna do anything about it right you know nobody's gonna come go out of their way to try to save anybody and that includes children right uh, unfortunately and it's sad it's yeah. sad because yeah. a lot of these situations could have been prevented so yes mm-hmm. he homeschooled the children they knew nothing outside of you know what they already were accustomed to with mr wesson and i almost wonder like what was their what was rosemary's children like before came in the picture right before he came in the picture because you got to think about it he came in she had eight kids they had one child together and then he got with her eight-year-old daughter married her when she was 14 remember we're sticking with 14 mm-hmm. had 11 children with her so Jesus. now there's a family of like 20 people yeah and and as you can tell like she saw her mother have eight kids right Right? It was eight, right? Yeah. I'm not mixing that up with her age. No, okay. nine. No, okay. Because she, she yeah. nine. Yeah. So she had nine kids and then it's like, that was normal to her. Right. It's like, oh, I'm gonna, it's like a competition. It's right. like, my mom had nine and it's like, I'm not putting any words in anybody's mouth, but just from opinion, it's coming to that point where it's like, I'm going to almost honor my mom. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like to me. Like, mm-hmm. this is what our family does. Mm-hmm. We're proud of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and like I said, the sons were raised away from the daughters. So frequently, so first of all, I want to address that he was apparently like a welfare fraud master. Of course. <laughs> um, so I, I also wondered why he needed welfare if he was honorably discharged. Number one, like how is that a thing? 
Um, usually when you're honorably discharged, you get, you know, funding Benefits. for things and things like yeah. that. So I'm wondering, like now, I'm sure if somebody's incapacitated, they would be eligible for welfare. But someone who is not incapacitated wouldn't typically be getting it wouldn't be eligible because they'd be getting funding you know so i don't know what the system looked like back then but he would bounce around from place to place they lived in school buses they lived in uh they once lived in a a tugboat that was like dilapidated they lived in tents they lived places where they did not have neighbors right so nobody could witness what was going on Nobody could witness what was going on. Um, eventually, they did settle down. Um, we'll also add that Elizabeth's sister, I'm sorry, no, Rosemary's sister, was abusing drugs and ended up dropping off her children as well. Oh, fantastic. So, More children for the stupid pedophile. Right. And Great. and I'm, I'm trying to remember how many children there were um, that she dropped off. I okay. think it was another, like eight children get the hell out of here um yeah (laughs) now she didn't know either i'm assuming she didn't know what was going on i mean i hope not um yeah i really hope not but she was you know on drugs so um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint what right she may not have known maybe she did you know maybe her priorities just weren't in line and she didn't really hear like you really don't know what was going through her head yeah but yes, so she dropped off her children as well. Okay. So uh, with that being said, there was a cult of hundreds, not hundreds, but, you know, over 20 people. Okay. And there was lots of children made within that established family, you know, with Rosemary, with Rosemary's children, with his nieces, ended up giving birth to some of his children as well. Mm. Altogether, he fathered 18 children. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. So, oh, so actually it was with, um, so I actually, I missed one of my notes. Uh, Rosemary did approve their marriage at 15. Okay. So he was 27 and they were married in 1974. Still gross. Yep. Still gross. Equally gross. Um, That is a 27-year-old man with a 15-year-old girl. And they took in seven niece and nieces and nephews from the the aunt who was drug abusing. So, uh, with that being said, what ended up happening was they the women were forced to work odd jobs um, and bring home the money to Wesson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they were like the lionesses. Yes, but just the work part. Just the, just work, the work part. part. He's just a lazy fat lion laying around looking at his booty. Like, okay. A booty scratcher. Booty scratcher, booty sniffer. Yeah. Okay. And another part of their daily daily lessons was that they had to wash his dreadlocks for him. Oh, of course, because he's the king. Right. The king. Yeah. Um, And so they had to do that. And pretty much what what would happen is um, they would have these lessons. Then when they became old enough to work, they would have to work. They were not to talk to anyone at work. They had to wear modest clothing. They couldn't look at people in the eyes. They had to keep their heads down at all times, other than obviously Mr. Wesson. Wow. The power, right? The, the power. <laughs> the power. The to, fear. To, there was no cameras, right. like, especially back then. There was no cameras. In, like It's not like he was threatening them like, mm-hmm. I can see you in the security. I will get that 
footage right. and I will see that you're not paying attention and <laughs> no. you're not listening to what I'm saying. Mm-mm. The power to be able to do that with these women mm-hmm. is just devastating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yeah, it was, all, it was all fear. Yeah. It was all fear. And it all stemmed from religion, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this is what God wants. Mm-hmm. God wants mm-hmm. this purity. You know what I mean? We need to procreate. Mm-hmm. We need to be modest. This is, he used to call it an attack on the American family, that the oh. American values were an attack on the family. <laughs> um, okay. And so that was kind of like his defense for that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So pretty much all in all, some two of the the people ended up escaping. Two of the girls ended up escaping. And pretty much they wanted the children that they fathered with Marcus. Okay. So the incestuous children, they wanted those children. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much said they went back there. They called the police, which I couldn't even believe that. I'm like, wow, they called the police. And they had the police come. It was like a custody dispute kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Marcus went back inside. He said, hang on, give me a minute that kind of thing. A little over an hour later, he came back out covered in blood. Okay. Okay. Um, So his value was always, like I said, part of the reason that they were so scared to leave is because if one, something happens to one, they, they made a pact that they would all kill each other. Oh, fuck. So pretty much what happened was he went in and they all had a, a gunshot to the eye, which immediately impacted their brains which they died immediately. A few months before the massacre, mm-hmm. Mr. Wesson had gone to an antique shop and bought a bunch of antique coffins, which were stacked in the place that he was living in, which was a a building that was made for commercial use, not for residential use. And he yeah. was living there. Okay. And they had been served an eviction notice as well. So it seems like he had a lot of stressors on his plate. Like first we get evicted, then... You guys want your kids and you guys are breaking up my family, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think that just triggered him. Yeah. And so the victims were Sabrina April Wesson. She was 25. Uh, Elizabeth uh, Briani Kina Wesson, which she was 17. Illabel Carrie Wesson, she was eight. Uh, Aviv Dominique Wesson was seven. Jonathan St. Charles Wesson was seven. Ethan St. Laurent was four. Wow. Four years old. Sedona Vajra Wesson was two. Mm-hmm. Marshy St. Christopher was two. Java St. Vladins, I can't pronounce the name, was one. So there were multiple victims and they all died in the same way mm-hmm. um, with a gunshot to the eye. Now, when he was taken to trial, his DNA was not found on the weapon. He did try and... Um, he did try and say that uh, Elizabeth shot them all. Mm. So he tried to, after all of this, tried to blame it on the little girl that he conditioned from the age of five, probably, when mm-hmm. he got with the mom. Mm-hmm. Tried to condition her uh, and, and, and make it seem like it was her. And, and mind you, she had been shot as well. So oh, okay. he, made it, he tried to make the claim that it was a murder-suicide type deal, which mm-hmm. we know it wasn't, you know. And so that's pretty much what happened with that. And um, till this day, he is on death row. He will probably never be, he will never be, you know, he'll never get the, he'll never die. But he is on death row and he's been sitting on death row since 2005. I I just want to say good, but at the same time, it's like, it's not fair. Right. It's not fair Mm -hmm. for people just like Mm -hmm. as awful as he is to be just sitting there, Mm -hmm. just fucking playing with his thumb up his ass, whatever he's Mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, just 
you know, mm-hmm. so much trauma that he left out in the world. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. And 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 so there were nine victims. They had all been shot through the eye. The only living people were the ones who were not in the house. Mm. So mind you, there were eighteen children. Remember, he fathered eighteen children. Only yeah. nine died. So he still has nine kids out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you can't find anything on them, right? It's like um, a, lo- a lot of those people, like w- they come from those traumatic ancestral environments. They kind of like mm-hmm. get like new names and kind of get new identities. So mm-hmm. nobody can kind of harass them. So two of them. So one of them actually wrote a book and I'm actually, I, I want to get the book now. I'm looking into it. I yeah. would like to read the book. So one of the girls did write a book. And so I'm, you know, we might be able to revisit this once I oh, yeah. read the book because mm-hmm. I'd like to see what her perspective is. And after being out of that, how she reflects on that, you mm-hmm. know, because when she was living in it, she, like I said before, she probably didn't realize it was wrong. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. But yeah. now obviously she knows. And I'd like to see how she's dealing with that. Mm-hmm. One of the girls did end up getting a college degree, um, you know, and is doing something with her life. Good for her. Right. So, um, there, there was some successes, but obviously that name just carries with them. You You don't think they changed their name? They didn't change their name? Um, the two that I was able to find things on did not. Wow. Um, I would, I would be so disgusted by that name. I'd I'd want it gone, but you know, some people, they, they want the legacy of that name to change. So maybe that's why they're keeping it. Cause it's not like, uh. No, that was my father or that was my relative, but it's not me. Right. It doesn't represent me. That is such a heavy load to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, great. If that's what they're doing, great. Yeah. But that is a lot. There mm-hmm. was uh, nine counts of first degree murder yeah. and uh, 14 counts of forcible rape and sexual molestation. Now, do they know why he shot them in the eye like that? Like- because he didn't believe that the family should be separated. If one goes, they all go. They made a pact that if anything, if anything tried to come in and separate yeah. their family, that they would take each other out. But like, why the eye, not like the heart? Because it's gonna else. kill him right away. I guess. Oh. I don't know. I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah, he was right? in the army. Maybe he knew what eye to use to, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Was it a religious thing maybe too? Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of information on that. So I'm not, you would think the heart would have been a better shot. So I don't know why don't he know. did that. I but so I, I hope it was quick. Yeah, I and I think it was because in the span of when they went in, you figure it was a, it was a little over an hour that the police were out there. Mm-hmm the bodies were stacked on top of each other and they were all dead. Mm-hmm. So it had to be quick. Jesus. And the 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 police the that went in there, the first responders, you know, they had reported they, a few of them had to take like long-term administrative leave and get counseling. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, and, and, and it's funny because the boys, remember, so some of the victims were boys, which means they were in the house with the girls. Once they got to a certain age, they had to leave the house. And I always wondered where they went. And there wasn't a lot of information on where those boys were being housed either. Okay. Um, the boys did not believe that their father did any of the things that they said. Oh, Because they had never witnessed any of it because they were forced out of the house. Of course. So they, you know, were defending their father and had this completely skewed view of their father. Okay. And, and <laughs> oh my God, why mm. does that keep going back to it? It's like nobody believes women mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck mm-hmm. yeah oh god we're not gonna get into that mm-hmm. right now but, but yeah. it's such a, a thing even with these boys that have been like kept from the rest of society it's still right. the same thing it's like i'm gonna believe my father or right. my sisters and my relatives right my female relatives it's mm-hmm. just how how right 
Right. And he's been, it's been described as one of the most gruesome mass murders. And not even if the murder didn't take place, this was just a shitty, terrible, volatile situation. Even Mm -hmm. if there were no deaths. Yeah. The amount of trauma, both psychological, physical, mental, everything that these people went through for all of these years from birth. A lot of trauma. It's just, yeah. even without the murders, was just a very sad situation. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so that is the story of Marcus Weston. And it's a very sad story. And quite frankly, it, this is still going on. There, yeah. there are there are people like this in our world. Who, oh yeah, let's uh, in the shadows. I don't, I don't like to think about that at all yeah. because I know it's true. I mean, I we just started this, but I'm sure we're going to be discussing many, many more people, yes. awful people like this, as the uh, the episodes come and go. Yes, it's gonna be just. I don't get it. I don't get why this keeps happening. Yes, and because you know why? Because I and I think that our welfare system. And our school system and our municipalities just can't meet the needs of the community. There needs to be more interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the day, there would be home visits from teachers. We live in a world where it's too scary for teachers to go to another person's door right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's a whole different conversation Mm -hmm. that I definitely want to have. But there's just so much. And this is why the things are allowed to happen. We have way more cameras, yes. Yeah. But there's almost so much red tape with policies that it makes it easier for Mm -hmm. these kind of things to happen. Mm -hmm. So that is my story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yes, Um, yes. It was Definitely do your research on this. There's a lot more than I could even divulge into today. But um, Well, maybe you can get the book and we can discuss further. That would be like a part two or something. Yeah, let's do it. All right. (laughs) 